0: Coming up on Facts from the Stacks. Yeah, you you literally can't outrun a sneeze.
1: Yeah, that's why you sneeze into your elbow, people. (laughs) Amen. Among other reasons. Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) Facts from the Stacks. Facts from the Stacks. (laughs)
0: Hello, all you anatomy aficionados and body babes! Welcome back. Today's episode is about the human anatomy. Yeah,
1: human <laughs> human body. Um, I put a subtitle. Mm. Um, mentally, I've made a subtitle yeah. for this episode, which is "Human Body Oddities."
0: Oh, <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. In my head, this whole time when we've been preparing, the subtitle has been weird stuff the human body
1: does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because you know that's definitely what i've found yeah, so same. yeah excellent welcome to facts from the stacks a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers facts from the stacks created by the staff at the jackson madison county library is your library news and book-based trivia podcast join your hosts kelly and shane for what we're reading what's happening in the library and tons of trivia We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump our other library staff. I'm gonna give everybody like a preface that we may have, like this episode might be a little, Um, quickly produced. It's been a Mm. long week, and the next week we have a short week. So we may have less um, other appearances from staff members on the rest of the episode but okay. it'd be okay yeah it'd be fine summer we'll still reading
0: man it's a busy time
1: it's a busy time and honestly if you guys have not come to some of our summer reading stuff you should you're sleeping on it we had such a fun time with the jackson symphony on monday yes um they came and performed and we had 130 people here in the park Paula, and, and they did bluey they did bluey it was so fun <laughs> it was such a fun concert um so yeah we're we're busy folk this time of year so another piece of library news i want to bring up is that technically the tuesday before this airs so the 19th 20th 20th. the 20th um we are starting back american sign language classes so if you're listening to the podcast you have not missed a whole lot you can come in we do those tuesdays at 11 you can get a you know get a start on the class it's real fun i enjoy it um so that's my other piece of library news but aside from that do you have anything library news wise no no <laughs> and that's fine um and so we can do recently borrowed, recently
0: borrowed.
1: <laughs> i'm gonna take that clip <laughs> What, what are you reading? What have you been borrowing?
0: Um, currently, my audiobook that I'm listening to is Homefront by Kristen Hanna.
1: Okay. Very popular author.
0: Yes. Which that's why I'm reading it is I've read most of her popular ones. And so now I'm just kind of working my way through her body of work, if you will. Okay. Her body body, body of work. work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so this one is set in 2005 and the main character is a mom and she's in the National Guard, but then she gets deployed to Iraq and it talks about that. And ironically, we were this morning discussing how it seems like every time... I'm reading a book that totally has to do with what we're talking about on the podcast because, uh, spoiler alert, this protagonist ends up being an amputee. And one of the subjects I decided to look into for our body-oddy-oddy episode Uh (laughs) was phantom limbs. So this is like the second or third time this happened where what I'm reading really pertains to our
1: topic. That's good. It makes it more interesting for researching. So We love that. um, So... As per usual, I do a lot of reading through books while I'm finding facts. I've leaned more into that recently. just I'm just going to try and find my facts from stuff we have in the library. Literal facts from the stacks. Literal facts from the stacks. We love that. Um, It's authentic, folks. Yeah, sure is. (laughs) So one that I looked at um, was The Unseen Body by Jonathan Reisman. That's a pretty good one. Um, I didn't use a lot of facts from it for my research. The one that I got most of my information from is called if our bodies could talk by james hamblin and it is so so fascinating i just kind of picked out some of the like easier discussed topics but Mm -hmm. it goes like in depth about a lot of stuff that the human body does wow that's cool yeah Um, i took a
0: similar approach except i just stuck to the children's section (laughs) so i flipped through children's books nonfiction books about the body and then from there topics that I thought were interesting and further researched
1: them. Oh, fun. So facts from the children's stacks. Yeah, totally. Um, so aside from research, I told you last week that I yes, was reading Iron Widow. So I've not gotten too much further, but there is like an entry that I want to share. So again, mm. this is Iron Widow by Chiron J. Chow i looked up how to pronounce her name (laughs) um but it's like pretty again it's female protagonist she's you know she's a pilot for these giant mechs and whatnot yes and she's very headstrong and this line like this little paragraph i just wanted to share because it's like real strong yes I hope he's left the mountains. He can't change anything. He doesn't own me. Nobody does. They may think they do, but no matter how they scold or threaten or beat me, they can't really control what goes on in my head. And I think that frustrates them to no end.
0: Boom!
1: I just, I don't know. I love it. It's it's a very, like, oppressive um, setting where, like, she, right after that, she talks about how, like, her family... And ever all of the girls who are going to be married off go through that thing where they break their feet and put them into oh, the shoes yeah. that shape them to be dainty and yeah. like yeah, so she goes into that, but like that's her reflection on all of that. Wow, that's it's amazing. Real powerful. I'm very interested to keep reading it. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. I
0: love that you shared a little excerpt. That yeah. was so fun.
1: Yeah, excerpts can be fun. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know?
0: All right. So as I mentioned, I took a trip to the children's department mm-hmm. because this summer I've been, we all have been um, helping Miss Jennifer out with her shelving. And so one of the sections that I shelved is actually... Six thirteen, I think is the human 6, body. 6
1: 13 Yeah. Yeah. Six,
0: yeah, okay. So, anyways, I end up shelving those books. So, I just pulled some books from the children's shelves, flipped through, saw what I saw, and then from there took topics that interested me and further researched them. So, my first topic, let's
1: talk face transplants. Okay. <laughs> All right. Not something you see every day.
0: I know. I think... This was just a book of facts about the body, and it was talking about the first face tra- transplant. And it just got me thinking because that is a wild concept in and of itself. It sure is. Yeah. So, a little um, background. So, the first part, the first ever, and it was a partial face transplant, was in France in 2005. Oh, So, that's this is not like a, ago. yeah, a very new. Technology still developing today. The first full transplant was in Spain in 2010, so full face. Wow. And something that I thought was interesting was the distinction of between transplant and reconstruction. So facial reconstruction is another thing, and I assume that's been around longer, and that's where you take skin your own skin from elsewhere on your own body. And graft it. To graft yeah. it and reconstruct. Okay. So a transplant is taking part or all of someone else's face and transplanting onto your face. And based on what I looked up, this happens because of people that have been in traumatic accidents. And so they need a new face but uh, what I found interesting was a lot of cases was like after the transplants they were again able to smell or taste or eat like things they couldn't do before the transplant helped them do again.
1: Interesting. Which is
0: so crazy that you can like reconnect those nerves to do those functions. Wow. Um, there was two cases that I found where the f- a person's own face was reattached after being brought to the hospital with them. So, you know, like in a movie when someone cuts off their finger Mm -hmm. and they like look for it.
1: But they did that with their face.
0: Yeah, like two people have done that with their face where I think one person like put the face in a bag and brought it with them and then another put the face in like on ice, kind of what you Uh hear about with fingers and they were able to reattach it.
1: That's terrifying.
0: Yeah, another trigger warning for this episode. It might get a little graphic. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: (laughs) We're talking about the body. Wow. Um, and then another big concept within this topic was the biggest problem with it is, um, is re- like with any transplant,
1: is avoiding rejection. Yeah, I was like, how? Like, what is the likelihood of rejection? On yeah, a face Yeah, so transplant? if you get a
0: face transplant, you're signing up for an, a lifelong regimen of immunosuppressive drugs so that your immune system doesn't fight,
1: doesn't and reject attack your face,
0: the face. But then this is bad because it's weakening your immune system. Whoa. Yeah. So I don't know like what the hard and fast statistics are, but a lot of the cases I read about like the people that had the successful transplants, like didn't live that much longer after for one reason or another, not all of them were directly related. Right. But it was really interesting where I feel like I felt like I kept reading stories and it was like a couple years later, they ended up not being alive anymore.
1: Whoa. Yeah. That's, fascinating yeah it's like a whole thing man <laughs> there's a lot of I've been thinking this whole time there's a lot of Jenna quotes that have been coming to my brain <laughs> oh yeah and you're talking about I bet that. Jenna Marvels would find face transplants just
0: as fascinating you, you have a look at your face and you're like I'm tired of it I want a different one we'll be right back with more facts from the stacks.
1: If you've ever wanted to learn a new language, but you've never found a group to learn with, the library may be the place to go. Every Tuesday at 11, starting June 20th, you can learn American Sign Language with an interpreter from the Jackson Center for Independent Living. Whether you know tons of signs, just your alphabet, or none at all, come learn about how awesome ASL is with us. the first topic that i found in um if our bodies could talk was about hair Ooh. so it, it is kind of a thing that you know i've wondered about why does our body hair and our eyelashes why don't they just keep growing like the hair on oh, our yeah. heads does that's a
0: great
1: question um so, like, and why why is it just always like in check? Like it it you know, we don't have eyelashes that grow super, super long. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> so what I found out is that through that book is that hair growth happens in three stages. So the first stage is the antigen phase, which is active growth. Um, so in that phase, follicles are supplying the growing hair and the follicles with blood and nutrients and all that so it's it's growing it's doing what it's able to you know it's just growing you go grow. going through a growth period love it okay. um, and then after the antigen phase it goes to the catagen phase which is the transition phase mm-hmm. at that point the root of the hair is cut off from the blood supply and the nutrients and the hair stops growing at that point And then after that is the third phase, the telogen phase, in which your follicles rest. Um, And hair at that stage will eventually break or be replaced by new growth as new hair pushes it out of the follicle. So the difference in the kinds of hair that we have is in the time they spend in the antigen phase. So, how long do they spend growing? So, the hair on our heads has, like, a general antigen phase that lasts a few years. Okay. So, your hair on your head will grow for a few years before it stops growing, typically.
0: Okay.
1: If you're talking about eyelashes and body hair, it's more like a month. Hmm. So, um... Some people have shorter antigen phases that like for their the hair on their head and they just don't need haircuts because their hair will break off or be pushed out oh, okay. in a shorter time than most people's few years. Yeah. But then some people have really long antigen phases. So they can they're the kinds of people who can grow their hair all the way to the floor. Wow. Um, but typically it's not like the length your hair can get is Kind of a genetic thing.
0: Huh, I never thought about
1: that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Because you know, at some point, I used to have really, I used to have really long hair, <laughs> um, and it wouldn't really grow past, like, eh, past mid back, I okay. guess. I couldn't get it to grow longer than that,
0: and I guess that's because my
1: antigen phase for my hair is pretty average. Interesting. Yeah, um, so stress can cause the premature ending of antigen phases, so if you're really stressed, then your hair might start breaking off, stop growing as much. There are some people who go through um, hair loss, short-term hair loss. When they're extremely stressed. Oh, yes. I've heard that. hmm But, uh, yeah. So, for eyelashes and body hair, you're, those hairs grow for about a month. Um, two weeks, it's in that second, that transition phase, catagen. And then for about three months, it's in the third phase, telogen. And so, after that, it kind of gets pushed out by new growth or it will break off. Hmm. Um so that's why they kind of stay the same length.
0: That's so interesting.
1: But each one of course each follicle's on its own rotation so when it's doing that mm. you don't notice that you know you don't lose all your eyelashes at once right. they come out one here one there. Over the course of about five months or so.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah.
1: Wow. All
0: right. My next topic is earwax. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, there are two types of earwax. Like you either have one or the other. There is sticky earwax that's usually like yellow in color or dry and I think more of a white color. And scientists have figured out that... These two different types are associated with different ethnicities. So Caucasian or African descended folks usually have the sticky yellow earwax, whereas East Asian or Native American people are having the dry earwax.
1: I have never heard of this.
0: Yeah, I had never heard of this either, but it's a whole thing because, um, so it turns out that the type of earwax you have is controlled by a gene and it's, um, you know, a similar to the genes that are related to your ethnicity, but what's cool about it is this, they've used this information to have clues about early human migration patterns. Oh. Because in the remains of people, I think that they can still, like, I guess, know what kind of earwax they had. So you can, you know, if you find someone that had the sticky earwax that's over here, you can see where they originated from, you know, and so it helps. So
1: you're like, oh, this person was not native to this place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whoa. So it's like, it's another piece of the puzzle as far as trying to figure out human migration patterns. And I also talked about, um, I want to. I think it was saying that this gene that determines your earwax is also related to, like, your armpit smell. (laughs) And that also is, like, different. A
1: regional kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that interesting?
1: That's so weird.
0: Yeah, like, who knew that your earwax could be a clue to your heritage, but also, like, to the the history of man on earth
1: well i mean and you know just in general like we think of genetics as being like your skin color your eye color your hair color, but there's like so much other stuff like your armpit smell and your earwax type yeah that like you don't realize
0: i know like you don't think about that it's super interesting too because i feel like i don't know like those two groups that are in the different earwax groups are not usually put together in other uh-uh. distinguishing things. So it's like, what if if our culture and historians had focused more on earwax instead of other features? Uh-huh. What would the world be like? Crazy. Isn't that interesting? <laughs>
1: so weird.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Earwax.
1: Earwax.
0: <laughs> Alas, earwax.
1: <laughs> A quote from the late, the great. The late and the great. Double D. <laughs> All right. So my second little topic was sunburns and skin cancer. Ooh, interesting. Um. So... One of the big distinguishing things is that the sun has two different kinds of UV rays okay, yes. that it produces.
0: Is it UVA and UVB? Yes.
1: <sighs> so UVA penetrates deep into the skin and can reach the skin through glass, clouds, and smog. Okay. And then UVB is what causes the immediate changes to skin color, either sunburns or tanning. Oh, um, So then you've got your different kinds of sunscreen. Um the sunscreen will not protect against both kinds unless it's labeled as like a broad spectrum UV I was going to ask, protectant. yeah, the
0: broad spectrum, is that what that means? Yes,
1: that's okay. what that means is that it will do both. Cool. So what I found out is that UVB, again, is the one that causes tanning or sunburns. Mm-hmm. And what causes that, um, UVB, when it hits your skin, it actually causes rna and dna so all the nucleic acids of our cells Mm -hmm. to break and to tangle up whoa so the mixing up of those nucleic acids is what causes cancer when cells are replicating their dna and rna incorrectly they start replicating bad poorly basically and they don't they can't control stopping their reproduct their replication because that's what they're supposed to that's do. what they're supposed to do yeah. but they're huh. just spitting out all these cells that are wrong yeah so oh my goodness misreplicated rna and dna leads to broken cells that produce more broken cells which cause growth that we know as cancer huh. skin cells are able to expel all of that jumbled up nucleic acid which is great because that means, you know, we're not going to be replicating that, but that nucleic acid, when it gets out of our cells, that's what causes the inflammation that we know as sunburn. Huh. So, most skin cancers originate when the radiation that you're experiencing goes to the base, like, epidermal cells, like, deep in our skin. Oh,
0: so it can't, like, get released by your skin cells the Mm. way the typical burn does. Right,
1: right. So, but the good news is that those cells are protected by melanin. Um, So melanin prevents sunburn and cancer. Um, Now, while people with more melanin, dark-skinned people, um, are less prone to sunburn and skin cancer. They can still have both of those things. But most of the time when they have them, it's worse because a lot of the time the thought is like, I'm not going to get sunburned. Right. If it broke through that barrier, it's bad That's a really bad burn. Right. But also the, you know, it is a, a, well, I'm not going to get sunburned. So but you still can so get sunburned. So less likely to take care. Right. Okay. Right. It's um, fascinating. Yeah. And then another big, big thing is that UV rays are not stopped by clouds, like I mentioned earlier. Gray clouds still allow 84% of UV rays to come through. And white clouds still allow 89%. So, like, just because it's cloudy out does not mean you're protected. Yes. From UV rays at all. Yes. Also evidenced by if you're ever like driving on a really sunny, hot day and you have your arm, your arm will still get sunburned. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was burned into my brain by my mother. I don't know if my fellow pale skin folks, but absolutely you can still get sunburned on a cloudy day. Mm -hmm. You better put your sunscreen on. Yep. That was a big
1: rule. But then the melanin protectant, you know, that being a protectant against it is why people, as they tan, Mm -hmm. they are more resistant to sunburn. So the more tan you are, the more you tan, the less likely you are to get burned and the more likely you are to just produce more melanin. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So is there a way to like, because I thought that tanning was still harmful to your skin.
1: And could cause cancer. It can be in larger amounts. That's why we have safe way to do it. That's why we have you know guidelines. Um, Like my mom used to run a tanning salon. Okay, um, was one of our many businesses that she (laughs) ran when we were when I was younger. But um, you know the general limit is like you don't want people to do more than like twenty minutes in a tanning bed. Mm there's there's limits so that you don't overexpose your skin to uv rays that's interesting
0: that reminds me of another fact i heard some somewhat recently that i thought was fascinating is that um like how spf is like pretty much just a lie because well first of all like i think it's above spf 50 is like not a thing so like these products that are labeled like spf 75 spf 100 like i don't know i don't remember the reasoning behind it but it's like you can't be more than spf 50 and anyways all that to say the fact that i thought was really interesting is someone said that a dermatologist they were talking to said that you have to use like a tablespoon of product to get to actually have, so like, say your moisturizer is SPF 50, you have to use a tablespoon of that to actually achieve SPF 50. So like, especially when you're thinking about your facial sunscreen, like you have to use a lot of product for it to actually be what it's advertised. Yeah. So it's just interesting and something to keep in mind that like when you put sunscreen on your face, it's not actually that high of an SPF because you'd have to use a lot of product. To to achieve that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like you assume that it's SPF 50. So like any amount you put on, you're getting that. But no, you have to use like a certain amount to achieve that.
1: Interesting. And another little fact that I learned is that there are two different kinds of sunscreen, Mm. like types, I guess. One absorbs into the skin and helps... deal with the UV rays when they come into the skin. Oh. The other kind is made of some kind of, it's got some kind of zinc something in it Yeah, and it sits on top of the skin and it actually reflects the UV rays oh. instead of letting them penetrate your skin. Gotcha. Really like really weird stuff that we've come up with. Yeah. Okay. Let's just put some lotiony metal on our skin. So we're impervious right. to the sun. Humans. Real, we're real weird. <laughs> yeah. Facts from the Stacks. We'll be right back.
0: If you've been listening to us talk about the books we've been reading but don't have the time to come in and check them out, there's a solution for you. The library has online resources so you can check out books without ever leaving home. With Libby and Hoopla, you can access thousands of books, audiobooks, movies, TV shows, and magazines all in the palm of your hand. Check out the episode's description or check out the library's website jmclibrary.org for more information. All right, my final topic of research was phantom limbs.
1: I'm I love hearing about stuff like this. Yeah,
0: it's so like such a fascinating thing. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, the book I'm reading right now is literally about A woman who goes, who gets deployed in Iraq and she loses her leg and like, I'm not finished with the book. I'm about halfway through. And so right now where I'm reading, she's like just gotten home and is just starting physical therapy. And so she's talking about these phantom limb pains um, but anyways, so phantom limbs, what it is, is a vivid perception of a limb that has been removed. So it feels like there's pain in your foot or your hand, but your foot or hand or arm has been amputated. Right. But it feels like in your brain, like that there's a foot there and that it that is hurts. feeling pain. Yeah. Like specifically in that part of your body. Um, Something that I thought was fascinating is that this has been reported even in people that were born without the limb. So not just in removal, but people that were born without that limb, they still can experience phantom pain. Interesting. Um, And the reason it exists is thought to be caused by your brain continuing to receive signals from the limb nerve endings so like when your leg is amputated those nerve endings that were cut are still are super confused and they're still sending signals to your brain as if that limb was still there
1: interesting and so
0: it takes time for those nerve endings to heal and then i think it eventually does go away for most people. Like sometimes it takes years, but I think that those nerve endings do eventually heal. So I guess when you experience that when you were born without the limb, it's like your body still developed the nerve endings for that limb, maybe. Yeah. But it didn't develop fully. And so that's why your body experiences Phantom Limb in that scenario. Whoa. Um and then another thing that was interesting is the pain is often or the feeling of the phantom limb is often described as feeling distorted or shorter than the original limb. Oh. Okay. So like your leg feels like it's shorter than it was or it's um, distorted in some way.
1: Interesting.
0: Or that it's deformed in some way. Which Whoa. is interesting. Which I guess also just points back to the fact that your nerves are just extremely
1: confused. Right. Yeah. And there, I know that, I don't know about the pain specifically. I'm sure it probably does work the same way, but I know that animals can experience like thinking that they still have a limb that they don't have. Uh. Like there's so many, look, TikTok is not a, not a like reliable resource. (laughs) However, there are so many cat videos that I've Mm. seen that are like three legged cats that with What was or what would have been a limb, they like act like they're batting at something. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. so it's like they think they fully think there's a paw there.
0: Yeah. Well, that reminds me then of a chicken running around, like running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Like, I guess the chicken's body, right, is still. (laughs) Processing that it has a head for a little while until it dies. Is that a similar
1: concept? It could be. I mean, it seems if the, like it. I guess technically, if the brain stem is intact. Yeah. Because that's what keeps our bodies functioning. Right. Technically. So while it's dying, it's still like, yeah. processing.
0: Weird. That it has a head. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So interesting. Phantom limbs. Phantom limbs. <laughs>
1: I'm going to start this next section with a very um, personal question. Mm. Are you lactose intolerant? No. No, I'm not know, either. Thank God I'm not. I know. I really like cheese.
0: Ice cream is probably my favorite thing on this earth.
1: That's fair. So
0: God bless you if you can't eat
1: lactose. I mean, yeah. And I do I do love cheese. I was yeah, eating cheese string life. cheese when you walked in to record yeah, this episode. True. Um, mm. So what I learned is that actually... Two-thirds of the whole world is lactose intolerant. Whoa. So technically, we should be saying that people are lactose tolerant as the minority. I'm a
0: survivor. <laughs> it's so a like
1: strength. Yeah. So like you and I, instead of saying that other people like, oh, you're lactose intolerant, we should be saying that we are lactose tolerant.
0: Yeah, it's it's a strength. Yeah. They're not weak, we're just extra
1: strong. Extra strong. <laughs> So, um, to go into what all that is, so lactose is a sugar that is present only in milk. Mm -hmm. Um, Lactase is what's used to break it down. So, people who are lactose intolerant, which, again, is most people, can use medication like lactate to give their body a little dosage of lactase to help them process... You know, if they're like, I'm going to go on an ice cream binge. That's right. <laughs> they, they take down their lactate and they're able to do that without experiencing all the horrible things that come with lactose intolerance. Got it. So 7,500 years ago, uh-huh. everyone on earth was lactose intolerant. Okay. Let me rephrase that. All adult humans. I was going to say cuz there's intolerant.
0: lactose in
1: breast milk. Correct. Right? Okay. So, lactase was only produced by infants who relied on it for oh. breastfeeding. Um, so after that time period, after you stop breastfeeding, the body would stop producing lactase because it wasn't needed anymore. Huh. You're able to eat solid foods. This is not your source of nutrition anymore. Got it. We don't need to waste our energy making that anymore. Got it. So so then in Hungary, where people had started to domesticate cattle, um, that was, I guess, the first place to really domesticate cows. Okay. Um, they, and they experienced really cold winters. They had to rely on milk for nutrition during those winter months mm-hmm. because they had nothing else at that point. Got it. So a variant allele known as LP, which is lactase persistence, appeared in those people and allowed them to continue to produce lactase well into adulthood. Huh. Um, They, like,
0: hacked their own evolution.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, (laughs) right. So it was a genetic variation. Interesting. Um, And it was reinforced over time and spread to other places to allow survival in more inhospitable areas. So today, 80 to 90% of the U.S. can produce lactase. Um in most of Africa and Asia, though, excluding places that are like European occupied, mm-hmm. it's more like five to ten percent, okay because they just don't have the they don't feed. use dairy, yeah um it's not a thing that that is needed or used, huh. yeah,
0: and that's that made me think of. Because goat's milk has like significantly less lactose in it, right? Like that's Does why it? I think that people that have lactose intolerance can some of them can eat like goat's milk and goat cheese because it's Without. less. Because I was just thinking, because I feel like people in Africa like keep. Some cultures in Africa keep goats and stuff and probably drink goat's milk. So that makes sense, too, right? That
1: yeah, that's fair. They
0: don't produce the lactase. But they don't really need to because there's not as much lactose in
1: goat's milk. Very interesting. I just thought that was so crazy. That is crazy. Like, it, it's not it's not the way we think where it's like, oh, you have a deficiency of lactase. It's that yeah. we're just, we're the weirdos. Huh, we're the
0: weirdos. That
1: produce lactase. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Wow, what an episode. Yeah. Fascinating. Our final facts and quiz segment will be right after this break. This summer, the library is starting a small community garden. If you've been listening to this podcast and have some experience, or if you want to learn about the process of gardening, come see us. We will be hosting Garden Days on June 14th and July 12th, where we'll talk about the crops we're growing, how they're changing, and more. Anytime you stop by the library during the summer, come by the garden and help us maintain it with a little weed pulling or growth charting. All right. So now I just have a few facts that blew my mind from the stacks that I'd like to share. Excellent. (laughs) Number one, babies grow rapidly before birth, which obviously, but if they kept up growing at that rate for 50 years, so if they kept growing at the rate after birth that they did
1: During During pregnancy. Yes.
0: Then they would be taller than
1: Mount Everest. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We would be a civilization of giants.
0: Yes. Isn't that interesting? Like, you think, like, yes, of course, babies do a lot of growing in the womb. But when you put it in that perspective, that's wild. Whoa. All right. Back to the human hair, as we were discussing earlier. Um, Human hair is extremely strong, and one strand can support 100 grams, which is about 40 pennies. So the hair from an average head, so average amount of hairs, you know, could support at least two elephants.
1: That is ridiculous. I know. Whoa. Crazy.
0: Um, And then another thing, this reminded me of our animals episode, is that tongue prints are also unique like fingerprints. I did
1: see that when I was researching. Just
0: like nose prints on dogs. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And then lastly, the particles in a sneeze... Travel an average of 35 miles per hour.
1: Please sneeze into your elbow. That's
0: faster than we can run. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can't outrun a sneeze. Like, that's
0: a car strolling through a neighborhood. Yeah. Cruising through a neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Amazing. Yeah, you s- literally
0: can't outrun a sneeze. Yeah.
1: That's why you sneeze into your elbow, people. Amen. Among Facts other reasons. Stacks. Yeah, really. <laughs> Facts from the stacks. Facts from the stacks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And then we got quiz time. Woo-hoo. Ready? Okay. So today's quiz is going to be about Guinness World Records that have to do with the human body. Love it. Okay. So um, we'll just dive right in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in 2011. A newborn set a Guinness World Record for most toes on a newborn. (laughs) How many toes did that newborn have? Is this like combined or on a single foot? Combined. Combined. Okay. Total amount of toes. Mm, 14. 20.
0: Whoa, double the amount of toes.
1: And 14 fingers.
0: And four extra fingers.
1: Uh-huh. What a crazy cat. Umxena was has since had surgery and now just has ten of each. You go. So we fixed it. <laughs> fixed it. <laughs> um, June 3rd, 2018, this record was set. The biggest feat in the world belonged to a 27-year-old Venezuelan man. What shoe size would he wear in US sizes?
0: I don't know men's size is that good. Is the biggest men's size
1: like like 13? The biggest commercial is like 14. 14. This is a, I wear a 12. A 12, okay. A 20?
0: 26. Whoa,
1: yikes. Huge. So I think, I don't know, I don't know measurements. (laughs) I don't know measurements. I know it was like 40 centimeters or something. Whoa. 16 inches long. So, like, a foot and then some. So, like, big. Yeah. Big, big. That's a big foot. Yeah. Um, so, 26. Jason Orlando Rodriguez Hernandez is an avid basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. Love that for him. <laughs> um, How tall is the world's shortest woman?
0: Three foot
1: one. So it is actually twenty four point seven two inches. So she is just barely two, two feet, feet tall. Oh. Her name wow. is uh, her name is Jyoti Amyi, and she is a thirty year old woman from India. You may recognize her if you are a fan of American Horror Story, where oh. she played Ma Petite in season four, Freak Show.
0: I never watched that because I'm a scaredy cat,
1: but that's oh, interesting. Yeah, she's adorable. Oh. She's such a good character. Loved her a lot. Wow. March 13th, 2022, very recent. How long are the longest nails on a pair of hands? So add them together. Add them together.
0: (sighs) Fifteen feet.
1: Forty-two feet. 10 inches. Oh my gosh. Diana Armstrong vowed to never cut her nails again in memory of her daughter, who passed away. They did their nails together, and Diane has not cut her nails since 1997. Whoa. They must be filed using a power tool. It takes one bottle of polish and five hours to paint a single nail.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she does, like, regularly oh, do yeah. her nails? Oh wow.
1: Yeah. I'll show you the picture after the episode. Yeah, it is fascinating. All right. September 7th, 2015. How old was the youngest female to grow a full six inch beard?
0: Is six inches the amount that qualifies as a beard? I don't
1: don't (laughs) think so, but that's just how long hers was when they measured it. And you said how old was she? How old was she? 18. She was actually 24 years, 282 days. Uh, Harnam Kaur is a life coach and motivational speaker. Ooh. After many years of trimming her facial hair as a teen and much bullying, she is now an anti-bullying advocate. That's right. She converted to Sikhism, which prohibits hair cutting, and encur- that's what encouraged her to grow her facial hair huh. instead of trying to cut it off and yeah. everything like that. Interesting. She is a vocal activist for many causes and is an icon of fat feminism, ooh, yeah, she's really fabulous. Um, I'm, I've got to show you a couple pictures. Love it. Of just first yeah, off, I didn't the expect it
0: some of these folks,
1: like record holders, to be crossover celebs. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I wanted to like talk about them, like because yeah. like you can talk about the numbers, but like what is that? What's their story?
0: Yeah, what's she doing? <laughs> bit.
1: That's it. That's our quiz. Mm-hmm. That's the quiz and. I think that's our show.
0: That's our show.
1: Um, So our next episode, which will air on July 5th, is going to be a mystery topic. (gasps) Um, Because we might have a special guest on the pod soon. Oh, yes. So I don't want to plan a topic if that guest ends up being available. Being available. That makes sense. So details are just a little hard to come by, but... We're going to make it entertaining either way. That's right. Um, Please keep sending your ideas and feedback. We really like hearing from you guys. And we would love to, you know, make our topics based around what you guys want to hear. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, we're just kind of taking subjects that will be interesting. Mm -hmm. But send us that. Send us what you're reading. I think that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks. Bye. Goodbye.